Good morning. Oh, anyone feeling blessed? The spotlight is blessing my eyes. I can't. I can only see people on the wings here. So, well, let me say it again. Good morning. MEA weekend, is that true? Did, it, did anyone go, uh, go anywhere for MEA weekend? Raise your hand if you went somewhere. Nobody. They're, you're here. All right. Okay. I was told don't plan anything on MEA weekend, and everyone's here. All right. Well, can anyone tell me what today is? Sunday. Yay, cute. That was cute. Just kidding. What's today? Huh? Well, not the end of Romans, but the end of chapter one in Romans. I know what you were going after. We made it, folks. Chapter one. And so today what we're going to do is we're, we're going to look back at chapter one just a little bit as we go into chapter two next week. And we're just going to pick out some things we want to Make sure we carry with us. I hope we carry all of it, but I don't, I don't even remember all of it, to be quite honest with you. I mean, but I remember pieces that have stuck with me, and so I want to highlight some of those this morning as we go into the rest of the book, especially going into chapter 2, um, in which we will see Paul address judgment and how we have to be careful of how we look at others, especially as Christians and, and, and our judgmental attitudes, because... As Paul will say, we too do the same things that we've already uh, experienced in chapter 1 that Paul points out as an exchange for God's glory. We, we exchange what we want, those sinful desires, for his glory. And so what I want to do is take some time this morning to, highlight, again, highlight some of those things and see what the Lord has to say. But I also want to piggyback of what Mark preached last week, which was, a great message. Who remembers last week's message? Okay, can anyone tell me in one line what it was about? Give me, or give me some thoughts. What did you walk away with from his message last week? How to be me and the we. I'm still figuring that out. What that even means. It's like the Paul's I do what I don't want to do and I don't want to do it. It's like, oh, find the me and the we. Yeah, find the me and the we. What else? Say that again. Me, tension, God. Okay. Oh, the triangle. Remember the triangle? Ah, how do you hold the tensions? How the tension holds you? This is good. Wow. I didn't even take all that stuff out. <laughs> Anybody else? Say that one more time. We allow conformity to influence our behavior. Who finds that to be true? Yeah. Who is conformed to something in your life, good or bad? What about today? Yeah. Anyone have road rage this morning? Did you conform to your anger? Who's conformed to your desires? Anyone do that? Yes. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning because... When we look at chapter 1, it's very clear that Paul wants us to know as the church who we belong to. 
Very important. Now, we would say, most of us here would say, well, we belong to Jesus. Yes, I can think that with my mind, and I can speak that with my mouth, but I want to live that through my heart and in my relationships. So it's one thing to think it and to say it. It's another to model it, to live it, to show this is who I belong to. So the first couple things that we're going to point out is this. In in verse 1 of chapter 1, obviously, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. That's how it starts. Paul introduces himself as a slave to Christ. And if you remember way back in February when we started this journey in chapter 1, that the slave slave, um, in Greek gives a picture of someone who gives up their right to choose. Now, usually we'd say a slave is someone that is forced in to this submissive position, but the way Paul uses the word is, I have chosen to have no choice. I have given my allegiance to Christ, and therefore, he directs my steps. Remember this? This is key to the entire letter because it shows us how we need to posture ourselves. Too often, we look at at Scripture, and we look especially at Paul's letters, and we overlook his introductions. We go, well, it's just a general, it's a typical uh, Pauline introduction. With purpose, because it shows you how he's posturing himself and modeling how we need to posture ourselves so that we can take all the information through the proper filters and lenses. So that when I look at all this tough stuff that we've looked at in chapter 1, I'm looking at it as someone that belongs and is with Christ Jesus. So my value isn't isn't at risk. I don't need to go the guilt and shame route because I know whom I belong to and I know forgiveness is there, grace is there, repentance is happening in my life. So I don't have to always revert back to, oh, woe is me. How often do we live in brokenness when Jesus wants to live in wholeness, and I'm talking about in our relationship with Jesus. For some reason, we feel that like to be a good Christian, I really have to have that unhealthy version of a slave and keep re-breaking myself because that's the posture Jesus wants. Well, there's healthy brokenness that leads us to wholeness. And so when we are a slave to Christ in the way in which Paul is referring to, he's talking about someone that was broken, who was blind, who now can see and is experiencing wholeness. You, as a Christian, are meant to experience wholeness. And that can be a process. It's hard, it's challenging, but it's part of being a slave to Christ. And if we want to navigate, especially chapter 2, with judgment and all this, we have to know who we belong to and who holds us so that we do not go off that ledge of guilt and shame. Conviction is good, but we won't want to go to guilt and shame because I look at, I have judged a lot of people. Have you? And I've been judged. And neither side feels good. Does it? Oh, I was judged today. That was wonderful. Let's, let's do that again. Well, it was a productive day. I judged Mark Spencer for being a loiterer. It was great. And then I go, oh, now he's stuck with that name. Which is kind of funny, by the way. That people have, How's the loitering, Mark? He's not a loiterer, just for the record. 
But we want to make sure that our identity is secure, that we know who we're with, not just who we're for. It's important to to always have that in your mind when you wake up. That's why we ask the questions we ask. Lord, what do you want to say? Because that begins to engage the with. Some go, well, that's great to be with God, but how do I do that? Well, first acknowledge his presence. And we do that by saying, God, what do you want to say this morning? You see how that acknowledges his presence? And that puts me under his lordship, meaning that healthy understanding of slave. Now I'm under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Paul is unapologetic about it too, which brings me to my second point this morning in verse 16. Paul says this, because he's a slave to Christ, he is not ashamed of the gospel. We, we know this passage in the church. It's that great Braveheart battle cry. I am not ashamed of the gospel. How many, has anyone declared that in your heart, like in a moment when you're ministering with someone, you're like, man, today I showed I'm not ashamed. Anybody? It, it is one of those concepts that I've always struggled with because I believe here and I desire here and here to be faithful and to be his and not to be ashamed, but this, this thing of conformity to the popular vote around me of what should be done is always in conflict with my desire to be submissive to Christ. Do you feel that on a daily basis? And some of the things we want to conform to look good on the outside. Okay, this seems like it's a Christian thing. All right. And it can be as simple to, well, this church does a big light show. We should probably do that because it brings more people, which means more exposure, which means, you know, attractional model. But if we don't know how to disciple people, what's it worth? Right? So even conformity to things that we think good, if it's not conformed to the image of Christ and what he wants with us and for us, then it really doesn't matter. I want to be able to stand up here and wake up every morning going, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes. It is the power of God. I'm tired of being apologetic in my own heart for what I believe and what I feel. And I'm not talking about going, well, I'm going to stand up for something because it's a principle of God. That's, that's not as effective as people think. Well, I have to stand up for this principle of God, this conservative understanding. I've got to stand up for this. That's me not being ashamed. No, that's not what this is talking about. I am not ashamed to stand with Jesus no matter what that means. Forget political stuff. Forget conservative or liberal or all the issues. It, that, that's irrelevant if I'm not standing with Jesus in the midst of those things. Because I guarantee you when we do that, the outcome will be different than what we think if we were to look out and see our, our victories happen with just the issues. We'd still miss it. Because we're conforming to our own understanding of what Christian life is. Paul's got it and admits that he doesn't have it. <laughs> he still misses stuff. And he knows that. But he, he also knows who's he's, who he belongs to and who's he's, who he's with. And he's not ashamed of it. Because the gospel is the death, the resurrection, and the kingdom of God is here and near. And it is the very power of God. It is our salvation. And I'm not just talking about saving us from something, but saving us for someone with him. 
for him. And so these are important realities. They're not just concepts. They're important realities that we step into and we learn. I'm in that very frustrating phase of learning how to be a dad with toddlers. Anyone else get frustrated by that? I think only one I heard dead silence. Maybe there's too many issues to want to talk about. It's like, oh, man. And I have a daughter who's very... Oh, is there a word for her? (laughs) Social, loving, all those things, high energy, no off switch, only an on switch. She doesn't even have a switch. She just is. She just keeps going. And you have Emmett, who's just the sweetest, gentle, giant, kind of, you know, big cheeks and all that stuff, flashes the blue eyes, the curly locks and all that stuff. And he knows it, but he watches his sister. And I will say to her, we're in that dynamic where I say, Gracie, do not do this. And it, it never goes off one time. You have to say it like 15 times. And you have to try changing the volume of your voice to see which one she responds to in the midst of chaos. Because sometimes yelling doesn't work. Sometimes you, you understand what I'm saying. And then finally I go, Gracie! Stop. Okay, Dad. Emmett, go do that thing. That dad. Okay. So he immediately conforms. Why? Because he trusts the one who's telling him. And if we're conforming to unhealthy things in our lives, we have to, we have to start asking ourselves, are the things that we're conforming to trustworthy? And trust, can we trust them for what? Do they bring life? Do they bring us closer to Jesus? Because judgment thinks, when we go into judgment, judgment makes you think you're right. And if you think you're right, then you begin to value rightness instead of righteousness. And righteousness is only gained by proximity to the Father, which means you have to be with him. And if we're going after being right as a church, we're going to be wrong. So if you really want to be right, go back to verse 1, chapter 1, and work on that. I, Brendan, a slave to Christ Jesus, because that means I'm going to stay with him because I go where the Father goes. I go where the Master leads me. I just watched that uh, uh, animated movie called Up. Anyone seen that movie? For the umpteenth time with my kids, because they can quote it like anything. And you have that dog, what's the dog's name that goes, squirrel? Anyone remember? What? Doug. I love Doug. Because Doug, he's, he's not unintelligent. He's simple. He identifies someone he can trust. And he's got a new master. And he goes, you are my master and I love you. Now, we look at that and we go, ha oh, that's funny. But isn't that beautiful? Because he had one where he felt ashamed. He was an outcast. He conformed as best he could. He did whatever he could do to find this snipe. And it was in his heart, but he still went to where he thought he was supposed to be, but it didn't produce life. And then he sees this simple, simple old man who's on a mission for his wife, and he sees that he's kind and he's gentle for the most part, and he says, you are my master, and I love you. He conforms to something he trusts because who he trusts in brings life to him. And if we want to be in a place as we move forward in Romans um, where 
especially in the judgment piece that we are spared from having to go down the guilt and shame route and conforming to what we think is right instead of righteousness, we have to continue on a daily basis. Even if you can't see the outcome, put your trust in whom you know is life. That being Jesus. You don't get to pick that. <laughs> he is life and he's trustworthy. I, uh, this week, and I'm, I'm going to North Carolina to see a, a pastor friend of mine, to minister with him, to just be with him as he's going through a tough time in his church, big church, where they're conforming to the world around them. It just sent me a, a song from their worship pastor. He said, you gotta, you got to read this. This is on his CD. He wrote this. And I'll sum it up in this way is that the intent of the song was to say that Jesus isn't enough and I don't know him anymore and that's okay. Because I got to trust my understanding of the world around me. Isn't that heartbreaking? Heard, and I'm hearing this all over the place. Heard another church, another denomination, big one, that is now saying Jesus is not the way to the Father. Everyone goes to heaven. Everyone will be there and so now they've stopped mission work altogether. They don't share their story about Jesus. What is happening? What's happening? If the church is the body of Christ, and Christ is not the head, I've said this before, is it the church? No. And... And this is part of not being ashamed of the gospel. Jesus is everything. And we cannot be ashamed of him because he's not always popular opinion or because people have misrepresented him so inaccurately in their own lives that people just don't want to hear about Jesus. They, people, studies have shown, people don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with people that represent Jesus. Jesus is everything. And we have to represent him in a way that reflects his heart, which means we have to show exactly what it's all about. Taking a walk with Jesus in the garden. That's how this whole thing started. We have to show people how to walk with Jesus and everything else will pour out of that. Paul says it. I, a slave to Christ. Stop right there. You don't have the rest of the letter if you don't have that because you've just severed the head. So the rest of the stuff doesn't matter yet. Because Jesus will lead us through that. Jesus will lead us through all of those things. I believe, I, I really do, we're in a good season here at Bridgewood Community Church. And I've heard some say, I'm afraid it's going to end. We cannot be afraid of that. Because then it will. We need to continue to make Jesus the head and continue to ask him, Lord, where, what do you want to say and where do you want to go? It's not about our agenda. The only destination that we should be concerned about is every morning when we wake up, am I at the feet of Jesus? Now, don't get me wrong. There are plans that God will make out of that posture where we will do things with him and for the kingdom, but it comes out of this place of standing with him as a slave to Christ, not ashamed of the gospel. And some will say again that not being ashamed of the gospel is taking this political stand. No, it is staying with Jesus in the midst of a situation you want to run from. 
because you want to conform to your fear. You want to conform to the tension around you and just go, I don't want to do any of that. The tension is too great. What's my escape route that somehow can still justify my behavior and I can still come out unscathed? I'll run away and say, in the name of Jesus, and that's good. No. The reason why we're on this journey is to show the world in this little place of Blaine, Minnesota, as best we can, what it means to stay with Jesus. What does it mean to stay right where he is? I don't have a poker face. I don't know if you've noticed that. I get reminded of that every day at work. <laughs> and I try really hard. It's taken me years to just keep my mouth shut in situations. Now my body is making up for all that <laughs> hard work of keeping my mouth shut. And when I hear this, my body goes out of control. Being with Jesus is great, but there's got to be more. Say more about that. Please don't. Well, being with Jesus is great, but what about... No! No! Because the answer to all those questions will come in the being with. The corners of the world will be addressed because of being with. You don't think... Do you not think that Jesus knows what's happening in the, his creation? Of course! We don't have to remind him of what's going on. Send me there because there's work that needs to be done there, Jesus. He knows. And if he wants you there and you're with him, he'll take you there. But your first goal and mission every, with every breath, Lord, what do you want to say? Because I'm a slave to Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, if we can live in that place, we don't have to be afraid of these big passages like, oh, man. You have no excuse. Don't be judging. You have no excuse. But Paul's right. We don't have an excuse anymore. How many excuses have we thrown out in our lives? Mine are countless. I, it used to be a thing of pride for me if I could come up with a new one. Then I find out it wasn't new. It was just new for me. <laughs> We're out of them, folks. Jesus has made himself plain as day. Can it be hard to learn to listen? Yes. But that's why he instructs us to practice, to keep going after him, to not give up. The church, if it's led by Jesus, is always an epitome of resilience and perseverance. So we continue to seek. And questions that we have about him, continue to go to him. If you can't hear or you don't think you can hear, invite someone in that well, you know listens and hears God and ha have them model it to you. Have them help help you identify how he speaks to you. If you've been wounded, invite someone in to walk you through getting to a place of wholeness. There are a lot of things that we use to keep us from that place of walking with Jesus diligently. And they seem valid. And believe me, a lot of them are, but we are meant to persevere and continue to take those things to Jesus every single day. Remember, we need to conform to him. Not to, again, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to be insensitive to woundings. I am. Jesus is the only place those wounds get addressed. Okay? 
But we can't conform to our wounds. We can't conform to our fears. We can't conform to our desires. We can't conform to the expectations on us. We have to be together focused on the author and perfecter of our faith, which is in him. If we are a slave to Christ, then we will live an unashamed life. Unashamed of the gospel. I'm not going to apologize anymore, anymore for asking because the Lord is showing me, how are you doing? I remember, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but I, I, oftentimes, I, you know, my discernment will pick things up and I will say, are you, are you doing okay? How are you doing? And I'll feel like I've totally invaded their space. And then I'm just, now I feel bad and I'm apologizing for it. And I'm, I, for me, it doesn't seem like that big a deal, but it is. But Jesus cares for people. And I'm not talking about violating someone's space or being disrespectful. I'm just talking about what God wants to do in someone's life and him leading you there. And you're either you conform to your fears or your insecurities. In my case, my insecurities. And then I don't go again because now I'm ashamed of what Jesus wants to do because I'm afraid. We cannot be afraid anymore to be with Jesus and where he'll take us. He didn't give us the spirit of fear, did he? No. Spirit of life and power and truth and love and grace and the list goes on. It is easy to conform to rightness and to the popular opinion. It's harder to conform to that of Christ because we fear the not knowing. The passage where it says it's easier to get, it's like a camel going through the eye of a needle going to heaven. And, and you just go, well, that, that what? Because we look at that and we go, man, there's so much we have to do. How do, I, how do I do all that? But you see how hard it is to stay with Jesus and you start to get the point. Because there are so many things, there's so much counterfeit stuff out there, fool's gold that we'll label as truth and we conform to it and we find there's no life. We have to continue to submit to Christ Jesus and we will not be ashamed of the gospel. We will not be afraid of our past, our present, or our future. And the church will be the church. Jesus is its head. And even though there are things happening, I want to say this before I close, It's not out of his hands. He's never lost hold of his church. But there are times when even within the body, we have to model what it is to be with Jesus and re-steer the ship. Because we're in a culture now that Jesus has become a tagline. There's a generalization. has been an afterthought where he has to be the driving motivation of every breath we take. of praise that rise from earth to
some of the stories we shared this morning. I hope 
be singing the name of Jesus. It's a familiar song, but it was new for me today. Let's not take for granted that we can lift up the name above every name. Don't take it for granted. I can't take it for granted. 